pneumonia. Use my fangs to murder ya. Yo soy la diosa, los demonios no me controlan, soy culebra. What's up, everyone? 7 October's here uh, with another episode of Nightmare on Sedgwick Avenue. Uh, this is season five, episode 13, I think now. Um, I kind of lost count. Uh, but today we have a really dope guest. Um, his name is Michael Aguirre. Um, he's a film projectionist and programmer uh, and film lover overall. Um, and before we, I bring him on the screen, I kind of uh, want to give like a brief introduction of how I came across him. Um, shout out to uh, Armando from Trash Mex. Um, I, I found him on Instagram and then through him I found uh, Michael who goes by See It on 16mm which uh, we'll get on the screen in a second. Uh, but yeah that's how I found him and I just love what they're what they're doing both of them right now. Um, shout out to Armando he's doing great things and they're both kind of collaborating and uh, putting these films some of them that are obscure or maybe not haven't seen um, a theater in a long time uh, and it's pretty cool uh, to have that um, kind of put back on the big screen. So without further ado, let me bring him on the screen. Hey, Michael. Oh, that's me. Oh, my bad. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> How are you doing? Are you over there in the archives? <laughs> yeah, you know, me just hanging out right here. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on today. Um, and uh, like you said, you were you were already done a couple interviews and you probably heard the same question. But for those oh, yeah. that, uh, for my listeners who don't know who you are, like, how did you get into, you know, like just fell in love with like cinema, film and like horror specifically, since that's where my podcast is about. How did, how did all those things happen? All right. I'll start from the beginning. I grew up very conservative Christian in my family. Uh, I was not allowed to watch horror films. Uh, it was actually to the point where this is how old I am. I'm dating myself in the VHS video <laughs> store. Uh, anytime I would actually... I would be too afraid to even look at the horror section. I remember being um, kind of haunted by the imagery of Child's Play on the VHS, where he's with the uh, with the uh, the garden shears cutting the Jack in the Box, and yeah, yeah that's that scared the shit out of me as a kid. And um, so yeah, no, I I didn't really get into I guess horror until I turned like nineteen twenty. I started watching horror films. Um, I was playing in in a punk band at the time, and one of the one of the roommates in the band uh, would wake up early in the morning and just put horror films. Like 7 a.m., I remember one time waking up and watching Midnight Meat Train at like 6 a.m. because he was oh awake. And I started ingesting all of it and I was going back and watching all these things from like the 80s and 90s I wasn't allowed to watch and falling in love with all of it. Yeah. So it was amazing to, you know, I was older, so I was able to understand a little bit more and it didn't really scare me as much, but, um, it eventually led to me, you know, going to screenings and stuff like that. I wasn't into film at the time. Okay. Um, it wasn't until I was about like 25. I'm, th I'm 34 now. I'm about to be 35. So it's been about a good 10 years okay. where I started chasing film screenings in L.A. So I would go to places like, you know, the Arrow or the New Beverly or something to go watch something on film. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the first time I saw something on film, it was... Uh, the print was completely red. I think it was a uh, sleepaway camp. And, oh, wow. uh, and I remember watching it being like, why is this red? Like what's wrong with the, with the picture. And then the realization of that's what happens with film, like especially what's considered uh, Eastman stock, it fades to red. Yeah. Um, then eventually like two or three years later, after, after running around and uh, seeing all these movies, I started collecting films myself. And my big, my big first purchase was a, uh, night of the living dead on 16 millimeter and i, I think dope. i spent like 700 on it oh, wow. and i bought it 
with the intention of I'm going to play this in a theater somewhere. Like that's what I want to do maybe on my birthday or something like that. And then I eventually stopped for a little bit. I wasn't buying prints as much. And then yeah. uh, the I was starting to buy prints a little bit before the pandemic. And then the pandemic, I just, you know, everyone kind of lost their jobs and everything like that. And everyone had to think of other ways to kind of entertain themselves and stay busy. And mm -hmm. that's when I started to do more backyard screenings at my house. And I would have people over do double features and we were all socially distanced. And um, I invited Trevor Dylan from the Frida cinema and he came over to my house. We watched the double feature of death wish and rolling thunder on 16 in my backyard. <laughs> and he asked me, he was like, you know, would you want to do this at the theater? Something like this. And didn't really think much of it. I was already doing it in my backyard and was super fulfilled with it. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And we started off doing what was a, a member screening. So you had to be a member to go see it mm -hmm. um, of the theater at the Frida. And I showed the Funhouse on 16 millimeter, nice. like probably 24 people showed up. It was, it's cool. Yeah. But uh, uh, ever since then, I was kind of hooked of being like, this is something I want to continue doing. And this is something that was bringing a lot of joy to people because there's no, and, and for those that don't know, um, outside of LA, there's not really much theaters that that do film projection and, or, or offer film. Um, so like right now I'm doing film in, at the Frida Cinema, it is now the only theater in Orange County that shows film. Um, you not get it anywhere else. And for me, I was tired of going to LA all the time to have to go see movies. And I know there was yeah. other people feeling the same way too. So it was kind of like, let me try this out. I know there is a void that needs to be filled in I'm capable of possibly doing that. So I started doing um, started doing shows and they just kind of picked up steam from there. Like uh, yeah. before then, um, I never used Instagram. I've only had Instagram for a year. Oh. So uh, it's been stuff like that. Like I never really used computers much. I'm more of like an analog type of person. Like I used yeah. to record collector also. Okay. So it's um, so yeah, it just kind of transferred over doing that, and here I am today. I'm I'm almost two years into this, doing screenings and stuff, and everything keeps getting bigger and bigger. And like these companies that I used to buy films, uh, movies from, like Severin and everything, they're like I'm working doing events where Severin is there now. And yeah, I saw that's dope. <laughs> and and like it's it's amazing. Like even like the Rendezvous crew. Like I used to listen to their segment on the Severn Films podcast like all the time. That was my favorite. I used to yeah. fast forward to listen to uh, Alfonso DJ Alfonso do his set, and then I would go back and listen to the actual podcast. Yeah. But um, now me and Alfonso are friends, and we do events together and everything. So <laughs> like I never imagined in a million years being able to you know be side by side by these people I looked up to. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And like I said, um, obviously, we like thank you for like, uh, like the film community, I'm pretty sure appreciates what you're doing. Because like I said, some of these films, either one haven't seen the light of day in a long time, or some yeah. people don't even know about them. So it's it's cool that you're kind of preserving that type of art. Um, and then kind of to bring it back to those who might not be familiar with like film, because you kind of uh, went on as far as like how you start buying films and investing in it. But how did you like what made you want to be like, did you buy like a projector first did you buy films first like how did all what is the order of that like how do you even know like oh i'm gonna start collecting this i did it ass backwards to be honest i just bought the films assuming <laughs> yeah. that that theaters still had projectors and okay. i could just walk up and be like hey like i here's the film i want to play it but yeah. that's not the case <laughs> and that's what i was realizing is that 
a lot of these theaters aren't even equipped for uh, film projection anymore. Everything has yeah. since 2015, since everything converted to digital. Um, no, no, uh, most of these projectors were tossed to the curb, to be completely honest, because they yeah. heard that studios weren't going to issue 35 prints anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, I, I assumed being ignorant at the time and not, <laughs> not understanding completely yeah. um, that I could just buy a print and walk into a theater being like, I want to play this. Maybe I can rent the theater and do this. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. So I, um, the last few years, uh, me and my uh, best friend, uh, Ed Herrera, uh, we have been working on projector restorations in Burbank area. Um, okay. Since then, I've kind of noticed an importance to preserving projectors more than film there is a bunch of people that are doing film preservation and and you know collect film and everything like that but no one knows how to work on projectors and Mm. no one knows so it's like you can have the film but like if you have no projectors to play it on then film is kind of useless and i i for us we're both in our mid-30s and a lot of the people that know how to work on these projectors and stuff they are sadly aging and passing Mm. away yeah. And this is not something that you can go to school for or 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 yeah. you, you can take a class out of college for like this is hand over hand hours with someone that knows how to do it. And luckily, who we've been apprenticing is with is a very well-known um, projectionist. And he's, you know, he's in his 90s now. He's oh wow. sadly, he doesn't have as much life as we hopefully have left. Yeah. So we are trying to preserve that art because I would like to be retired in my sixties and still be able to watch film with my friends when I'm old. Yeah. And, and I, I just feel like it, uh, not really, there's not really many people stepping up to the plate and it just felt like instantly my calling is this, yeah. like if I'm, if I'm, when it's my time to go, I would like to be remembered for what I gave back into the film community, yeah. preserving movies and, and, and getting uh, more stuff recognized that didn't, necessarily wasn't hollywood wasn't mainstream like these yeah, unknown movies so. exactly yeah, yeah like the hidden gems yeah it's yeah. pretty dope <laughs> and how did uh where do you where do you find these films like do you have a specific place where you go and buy these or you can i just go and search different spots <laughs> if you can so give away <laughs> this is what i tell everyone because here's a little peek behind the curtain uh-huh. it is, is these films are extremely rare especially on 16 millimeter um mm-hmm. Just a, a quick history, like 35 millimeter prints of movies were printed to go to theaters. So they printed some of them in the, th- you know, thousands of prints went out to go play all these screens and 16 millimeters. So like, we'll just say guess, like, so for every thousand print of 35, there was probably like 100 or 200 of 16. Oh, wow. okay. So these prints are even more scarce than 35. Yeah. And, um, so like whenever, whenever there's the opportunity to get my hands on something a little bit more, um, harder to find it's like yeah why not go and play this in multiple cities like this is probably the only chance that people are going to be able to see this movie on this format ever in their lives and it's um that that has been motivating for me and but like obtaining the films uh here 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 is what the the sad truth for everything is you have to network with people you have to be nice with people you have to build relationships with people um, I don't own every film. I own uh, uh, just a small amount in my collection. So if there's something that I would want to play or something, mm-hmm. it's in another private collection somewhere or, okay. or 
or another collector has it. And luckily I've gained enough trust and um, I guess friendships in the film community that people are now loaning and renting their prints to me, um, knowing that uh, they see what I do, they know how um, professional I am with the prints and then the fact that we maintain our own projectors and everything and we actually fix other people's projectors, there's an amount of trust of like, oh, you're not gonna screw up my print. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been nice. So like, I've been able to get my hands on some rare stuff to screen that's, you know, it's, I don't own it, but like I paid my buddy being like, hey, I'll give you some money. Like, can I rent it to go tour this? And they're like, yeah, of course, like I trust you. So it's like, there's not really, when it comes to 16, there's not really a place you can go that is a rental house. Those don't exist anymore yeah. or anything like that. Everything is in private collections at this point, okay. or it is in an archive somewhere. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Like it's a lot of work trying to track down certain prints. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Fahrenheit 451 where they burn all the books and everything yeah. like, <laughs> and it's just like, you just got to find whatever's left, you know? <laughs> and then keep in mind too, the studios destroyed a lot of prints. There was there's a, there was a thing called bandsaw um, where they actually literally it's a bandsaw to the prints and um, oh, wow. they destroy the prints to make sure that they did not get into the collector's hands. Oh wow! Is there a way? I, I might be like an ignorant question on my end, but is there a no, way no. to like to like reverse and like let's say they, there's a I don't know a film that you would want to convert into sixty millimeter? Is that a possibility or is it not? Like let's say like a more recent movie and you want to convert into sixty millimeter. There is. It's kind of very black market and illegal. Mm, okay. uh, I I have not participated in it, <laughs> but it does exist and it okay. does exist outside of this country. Okay. I was just wondering like, or like if let's say some director was like, I want to print like, you know, like would they be able to do it? You know? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And then the, they come from uh so the differences with the prints is like, so an original print, they come from an actual photo negative mm-hmm. and then these are actually printed from a digital source okay yeah yeah because i was like what if it just makes a comeback you just never know look at like vinyls you know (laughs) and it's and it's pricey too like uh people don't realize how much how expensive this hobby is uh uh to get a custom print say if like you know you just saw what was in theaters right now if you just saw um like evil dead rise or something (laughs) okay evil dead rise evil dead rise and then you had like a 4k blu-ray of it you could essentially send it off to get it printed to a film to mm-hmm. film stock, but like that film's probably going to be, depending on length, probably like sixteen to eighteen hundred dollars for the entire. Oh, wow. So like uh, people don't realize too, they're like they don't realize how hard it is to track these prints down and find them and yeah. to get them out of the collector's hands, and then also the price involved with actually buying these. Like like um, when I paid seven hundred for Night of the Living Dead, um, that was a bargain. Like now with that now if that print was to go, if I were to post that around like uh halloween time it'd probably go for like two grand yeah yeah that's that's a good uh good find (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and when was your first like uh 16 millimeter event and what uh how was it like was it how you envisioned it how did how did that go oh man i i think so when it wasn't the member only screening at the frida we did an uh first ever public event Mm -hmm. and it was a i had a uh tv print of it's a wonderful life so we played that we I played that during uh during Christmas time and ever since that screening there was people that came and were like oh my god this is how I remember seeing it as a kid on TV um for those that don't know back in the day um TV used to run 16 millimeter prints for broadcast 
So, um, so one of the uh, one of the prints that they used for TV was what I had, and I screened in the theater. Um, it was amazing having people come up and being like, "Oh my god, I remember seeing it on TV like that with the scratches and sometimes mm -hmm. the little specks and stuff like that." Yeah. And um, it was just it made me want to keep doing it because I saw the joy that people had from it. It it, yeah. it unlocked this part of nostalgia, and like film was able to do that. You know what I mean? It was the magic. Yeah. Of home and everything was able to unlock memories for people and that was just it warms my heart to be able to to see people's reactions like that and it's what yeah. drives me to keep doing it yeah that's dope um and what's like your favorite like 60 millimeter film that you've shown so far oh god uh <laughs> um i i had a lot of fun so i actually own it this is my print it's a um it's a scope uh agfa film stock of blazing saddles Okay. It was actually owned by uh, Sinatra's at one point. Oh, so wow. I, I was able to obtain that print. And that was probably the most I think I've spent on a print besides Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, but other than that, it was uh, I love showing that print. That movie is still timeless to this day. Like I, I, I can put on Blazing Saddles like once a week and still laugh. <laughs> <laughs> And like, it, yeah, no. And then uh, like horror movies and stuff too. Like I, I just, I still keep going back to the original. I know a lot of, I've been talking to a lot of people. Not a lot of people seem to be like super into the original Night of the Living Dead. And uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It still scares the crap out of me to this day. And yeah. I very, very well-made movie, um, yeah. especially for the budget they were given. Yeah. My favorite is from the trilogy is like the Day of the Dead is my favorite. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that was actually the first one. I, I went backwards. I always go backwards with stuff. Yeah. I'm always like, I always start at like three and then wait, wait, you know work my way down to one. But like, I think I saw Day of the Dead first, and then I saw Night, and then I saw Dawn of the Dead, and Dawn just kind of destroyed my world when I saw yeah. it. I, it's a perfect <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, and what's like a bucket list um, like film that you would like to show? Ooh, so I. I found the print and um, the movie's called, um, so it's a revenge flick from 1970, 1970s. It's called uh, The Farmer. And it was a lost movie. It was a lost movie. Um, and there was something with the rights were tied up and everything in it. It just barely got a Blu-ray release this year. Okay. And it was, uh, but I actually tracked down a 16 millimeter print in a personal collection on the East Coast. Um, the only other print known to existence is at UCLA. Okay. So, uh, and you also, um, that print, you have to be a student at UCLA and you can only watch the print in the booth. The oh, print wow. ever leave. So the possibilities of ever the world actually ever seeing that movie was very slim until the recent like two years when uh, a Blu-ray came out. But um, I was able to track down a 16 print and oh. I'm hoping hopefully in the... By the end of the year, I'd be able to thread it up and screen it because um, this will be the first time it played on film since its release in 1976, 1978. Oh, so, wow. What's the premise of it? I know you said it was revenge, but what is it? What's like the premise of the movie? Uh, uh, it was weird. It, so it came out in in like in the late 70s, but it was about World War II, a vet coming home. Okay. And he, um, he came home to his farm and his farm was being um, basically repossessed. They were going to take the land and everything. Uh, so he needed to come up with $50,000. Um, 
quick version is there's like a mob mafia uh, chasing a guy that ends up coming to the guy's farm and then um, he ends up saving the guy who went to his farm and he says well i'll give you fifty thousand dollars if you go get these guys for me okay. and that kind of uh, kicks off the movie of like all right let me go do these uh these uh dirty deeds and uh yeah. and save my land and oh, it's a great flick i oh, can't I wait to check it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, who's in it is there anybody like well known or is it kind of well it's the actors i forgot the actor's first name uh-huh. um he's done a few movies but like i don't think he really did anything past the 80s i not really any well-known actors or anything in it um even the soundtrack was lost for a while and yeah. it just they just printed bootlegs of it so it's like Oh man, yeah, I can't remember the actor's first name, but he is the uh, the movie's awesome. So if I ever screen that, please come watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to check it out. It sounds interesting. <laughs> I feel like all those seventies movies had like that similar premise. I don't know why. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. they're they're wild. I just it's my favorite. Like the older I've gotten, the seventies uh, has become my favorite era for movies. It was just a wild time of seeing what the hell you can get away with. Yeah, I feel like it was before. I think they said something. I remember watching like the the last house on the left, and they had. I was watching like a documentary or something, and they said that back then, like you could get away with certain things, and then that's when I think they came up with like the radiant and all yeah. these different yeah. things. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh shit! But yeah, because yeah. I I can tell too. Like I noticed we were talking about that with uh, some of the guests that I had like a couple episodes ago. How the '70s horror to me, like I feel like that's the creepiest for me. I don't know why, like something about that. You know, when it's a '70s film, like from The Exorcist, yeah. Rosemary's, like all these different films, like Abbeville, like that movie, I still can't watch a lot because I, it's uh, like too dark, too dark. I, ju- <laughs> I just played that in September. I just ran my 16 print of Abbeville. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that yeah. would have been dope. Yeah, that like always freaked me out, like the pig with the eyes, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like creepy stuff there. Um, and for you, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like for you, what's like the main, like the importance of like, you know, having this type of art, like um, like a film and history, like keeping it alive. What's like the importance to you? Um, I think, uh, again, it, it, it was, it's more, this sounds very selfish, but like <laughs> for me, the priority is I want to, I want to be old and I want to be gray. I want to be retired from work and yeah. I still want to watch films with my friends i still want to be able to thread up stuff on a projector and watch actual film and uh not saying that there's anything wrong with digital i I see the benefits of digital but for Mm -hmm. me personally i rather see scratches and stuff instead of pixelation pops and everything um but ultimately is just to preserve the art form and even um just the experience of it because there is nothing for me like you've been to the shows being able to hear the clicking from the projectors and everything like that like you can't hear that nowadays with with uh, the digital stuff like literally the digital stuff you're walking up hitting play on a machine and you walk away there's nothing intimate there is nothing um invested in that time with that movie or anything and i just felt like film is a lot of work analog isn't easy to do but yeah. there there is a charm to it that that i hope to keep alive for generations and um the best way i can explain it is like it feels like magic like literally this little piece of plastic is is filling a screen with the story and uh that you're all collectively sharing at that same moment like that's magic like how can that not be magic to experience that um but no i hope i hope uh more people are interested in film and actual film projection in general, because honestly, if people don't show up to attend screenings and stuff like that, then no one's going to keep 
playing film no one's gonna keep running film but like luckily i've seen kind of a resurgence of people actually like paying attention that it's on film and mm -hmm. like and like for me building this little what they call little cult in the area of people that just follow me around going to the film screenings and stuff like yeah. i hope more people are starting to join the cult and, mm -hmm. and come out to the shows and stuff because it's uh you won't get it anywhere else like you can't go to any other spot in orange county and experience film like i i sadly i'm the only one doing it here and and that's i just hope to spread it around more i hope to go to more states um to be able to share in like theaters that want film that don't have film or can't afford it like i would love to be able to just come and and do my thing and and yeah. supply that demand yeah that'd be cool yeah it was like my first time because i went to the one in, in frida cinema but i don't know if that one was on film it was um damn what film was it it wasn't cemeterio del terror it was the other one was it cemeterio uh, ladrones de tumbas yeah ladrones de tumbas yeah. was that, that on one... film or no? that one was no that one was actually a digital restoration and that okay. was the first first time that that restoration ever hit the theater screen and like here's what bums me out oh, about wow. this about the mexican genre stuff is that these restorations have been done for a few couple of years now there's been blu-rays out for these from like vinegar syndrome and stuff like that yeah. no theaters are booking any of this stuff to hit the big screen there is That's nothing crazy. so like the restoration for ladrones de tumbas uh, grave robbers Yes. was has been done for almost three years and it never was booked to play a screen that uh, is that, that blows me away and so like most of the stuff that i do with armando um i tried to keep my see it on 16 name out of it i don't want to confuse people yeah but, but basically they're all digital restorations from the from the negatives um that are done by um you know i, I think vinegar syndrome and places like severn films and then like agfa who I have right here agfa does all of the lab work and we'll make the dcps and everything so okay. um, it's companies like that that we really need to support and we really need to champion because they are basically reviving all this stuff if it wasn't for these companies working together and doing stuff like this we wouldn't have that screening we wouldn't have cementerio de terror we wouldn't have yeah. any of that stuff it would all be stuck on vhs to dvd quality type stuff and now yeah. just to, be able to see everything crisp and on a big screen it's like this is like the impossible that shouldn't have happened because no one cared and it did happen though yeah no i think that's dope that's what i'm saying like um like that and then getting to see like serpent in the rainbow that was like the first time i actually watched like actual like film and oh, i thought it was uh, cool i didn't even know you can rewind <laughs> on the on the thing like when you rewinded it i was like oh, oh, yeah, you can yeah. <laughs> i was yeah, just like yeah, i just was like oh like in awe of it like so if you ever need an, another apprentice i'm I'm down to learn uh <laughs> I appreciate it <laughs> but uh yeah I, I love the fact that you guys also like the whole mexican horror because i feel like that genre like i don't think we as like our mexican culture doesn't get as long as much as love and like appreciation for like what we did to the for the genre because yeah. um, I grew up on it, like, uh, rest in peace to my abuelita, like, we would watch, like, Cemeterio de Terror, like, Ladrones yeah. de Tumbas, Panico en la Montaña, we were just talking oh. about before we got on, Vacaciones de Terror, like, I was a huge Pedrito Fernandez fan, and I still yeah. am, so, like, I grew up on all that stuff, and, like, to see it, I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I gotta go see it, because yeah. I was like, I was like, I wish my grandma had been alive, you know, like, uh, oh, oh, we're came. like that all the we were like that all the time. Like I, I was, I was, uh, this is the first time I've ever said this, but I was kind of jealous of Armando because yeah. <laughs> for, for grave robbers, his parents came 
Like his, his parents were able to. I brought my parents too with me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And like, it's, it's like that connection of those generations of like, you know, we used to watch this on channel 22 and now like we're both adults and we're watching it in a theater. Like, you know, it's just amazing in itself. And like what interested me, cause I grew up, I grew up in a, in a, in a typical Hispanic household. Like my grandma watched all the cousins there was like, I'm not joking, like 10 of us in the house. Oh, wow. And we were always told, you know, you don't go into grandpa's room. Yeah. And we we always assumed because it was just grandpa was smoking in his room. And he used to smoke. But uh-huh. grandpa, grandpa was watching all these these 80s uh, horror and sex comedy Mexican stuff <laughs> on TV. And my grandma didn't want us watching it. So it was always yeah. keep out of grandpa's room. But yeah, no, that being able to meet Armando and him opening up my world to Mexican horror and, and other genres like that was yeah. just amazing because I was at a point where I was getting kind of bored of what we considered like staple American type yeah. horror stuff. Like, I don't know, for me, like I can only watch Friday the 13th so many times. I can only watch Nightmare on Elm Street, all those things, Michael Myers. Like I can only do so much. Like I have my yearly watches, but like I can't obsess over it as much but like for me me, being able to kind of venture out and do some digging and finding new gems and being like this was really good and i know a lot of other people would appreciate this and then actually bringing it to the big screen has just been awesome i love it yeah that'd be cool Um, like i said i'm down to collaborate because like my my goal is i would want to show like Panico en la Montaña, like a double feature of that one, and Trampa Infernal, which is both Pedritos in it. And I was just like, I just like, I want people to see those films, even if, and I like that um, that Armando does like the captions and stuff like that, because even people that don't speak Spanish can enjoy it, you know, because they're cheesy, but they're just like, yeah. like you said, it's like, you don't see those every day. Like you can watch <laughs> Friday the 13th or all these like the yeah. actresses all, all the time on your streaming, but with these, you only see them like once in a while, and once in a blue moon, you know? And, and, and that and I will give a shout out to Armando because yeah. for those that don't know, when we get the uh, digital files for stuff and there's no subtitles, guess who sits and does the subtitles him. by himself? <laughs> shout out to Armando for taking the time to actually put in the effort so other cultures can also appreciate what exactly. we appreciate as, as Mexicans trying okay. to champion this, you know, this horror and everything like that yeah exactly yeah so anytime i'm like i try to go but i'm like i wish that's why i was like you guys should come down more often to san diego because like i went to the uh, oc and freedom cinema is like a dope theater too for those that never been recommend going um but it would be cool to have something here so i can kind of be able to go all the time because armando's always inviting me and i'm like i'm sorry and then finally this one i was like i gotta go like at least i gotta go show love (laughs) and then too um what we're trying to do is keep everything historic as in like so the frida cinema for those that don't know frida cinema used to be a spanish uh spanish audio theater um also around the corner from uh literally probably 100 feet away from the frida is the yost theater which was also a central hub for Mexican films. And then around the corner from the Frida, a light down is a theater called the West Coast Theater that me and Armando, um, looking at Armando's flyers and lobby cards and everything like that, mm-hmm. we were seeing that that was also one of the central hubs for Mexican films during the like 70s, 80s, 90s. So we the, since they're not playing Mexican movies anymore in the area, really, yeah. you know, um, we were just like, there's such a historical 
aspect to playing something here in downtown Santa Ana that reflects the Mexican community that surrounds it. And it was, um, we were just like, let's go for it. That's why I sold Armando on it. It was just kind of like, look, there's this history in Santa Ana that revolves around these films. And it would be amazing because this hasn't happened in like literally a few decades now where there has been a Mexican production playing on the big screen. Um, so like when we did uh, La Dorones de Tumbas, Grave Robbers, mm -hmm. it was very joyful because it was just kind of like, holy shit, we, we're doing something that mm -hmm. hasn't happened in almost 40 years down here. And uh, and then even uh, Armando was showing me pictures of uh, Mario Almada signing autographs in front of the Yost Theater and yeah. stuff like that. So there's a whole history of these pretty, actors yeah. actually being in Santa Ana too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and on top of that, it's like you guys are like two brown boys too. You're not like that's a, it's a, also too. It's not like it's like somebody else showing Mexican films that are not even Mexican. You know? <laughs> then, yeah, no, we're like we're lucky. We're two brown boys doing yeah. it. But, and uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's it's awesome. It's like Armando. I mean, you find someone that matches your energy and your passion, and is yeah. as as driven as you. It's hard to not work with someone like that. And like. Armando doesn't make it easy for me to not want to work with him. So yeah. like we're already planning out, like we have a three day uh, trash mix festival coming up in May from oh, May yeah. 19th, 20th and 21st. Um, we're already planning out the next two events for the rest of the year. Like we haven't even finished this, nice. uh, this weekend of, of films and we're already like reaching out guests and everything. And we're going to be um, going to different theaters that also, um, showed Mexican films back in the day and we're going to be bringing them back to those theaters as, as a, like a historical uh, revisit to those times. That's pretty dope. Have you ever guys thought, I forgot who, what it's called, like the people that do this. It's at the Feliz Theater in, um, I think, L.A., um, downtown LA or somewhere I don't know because um, I went to go see uh, 13 Ghosts and they had like a Q&A and I forgot who's the people that run this it's like a, a like a little collective but I was thinking like are you guys ever thought of that or is maybe something in the works where you can have like some of the filmmakers or even the actors like do a Q&A after the film like I, I think that would be dope <laughs> so this next event uh, that we're we have the date locked down it's in August uh, okay. I'll share I'll share the actual date as we get closer, um, okay. it's going to be at the Gardena Cinema in in Gardena. Oh, which I wanted to check that place out. Yeah, yeah, which is actually if you anyone listening, if you can visit the Gardena Cinema, please visit it. It is a movie palace, and that's an understatement. It is a very historical theater, over eight hundred seats, one of the best screens in LA. Check it out if you're ever in town. But we we were talking with the owner Judy, and we already have a date in stone for um in august mm -hmm. we are going to be doing a mexican horror double feature uh, which is is the original movie and then the sequel and then we will also be having the two actors from it come out and do a q a um oh, don't let me know I'll, I'll make that one <laughs> absolutely yeah so and then we also the dream i guess for me and armando that we've always talked about was eventually doing a show at the million dollar theater in la because that was the big central hub for Mexican films, uh, genre stuff. That's where everybody went. Uh, Valentin Trujillo, all, uh, the Almadas, all of them were all at one point at that theater. That was the central hub for it. Um, it's humongous, thousands of seats. Um, obviously, we're not gonna sell, obviously, <laughs> we're, <check> it out. <laughs> yeah, obviously we, we're not going to sell out thousands of seats, but just yeah. to be able to bring back those yeah. films to that theater would just 
be killer. That's that's the dream programming that we're working on. And the person that we have in mind that we're trying to make it a night with this mm-hmm. person um, will do a double feature. And it is one of the most legendary Mexican actors uh, you can imagine. I don't think we can top it if we can land this person. So um, look out for that. Th- that yeah, will be in my fingers for you guys. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like for my selfish reasons, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you said, you know, you call it a hobby, but like, it looks like obviously you you do love what what you do. Like, do you have a a job on the side and how do you juggle like doing both things? So I juggle very poorly. Um, (laughs) I, I honestly am, um, um, it's not that stroke my own ego or anything. It's just, we only have so much time in a day. Um, me, I'm a maximalist with my time. Um, so I work was in special ed in the mornings. Okay. I, I do, uh, I guess we consider like management or casework, mm-hmm. um, for special ed in the mornings. And then after that, I, I go to Burbank to help out with restorations and stuff. Um, and then I have all these screenings I do. So I'm you, you've seen, I've gone like at least one or two tours a month or multiple stuff. And then for those that don't know, I'm actually in grad school right now. Um, so like, yeah, I, I oh, basically wow. <laughs> two jobs, screenings, grad school, um, a home life with my wife and yeah. our dogs. And like, I, I don't have much time these days. And it's kind of a, it's a good and a bad thing because I feel like I'm making great use of my time and I'm very, very productive. But at the same time, I feel like I, it's impossible for me to have an off switch, which is something that I'm lacking in my life is learning when to hit the brakes yeah. before I burn out. So um, I haven't burned out yet, and I'm still going. So let's just ride the wave until I crash at this point. <laughs> no, what uh, What are you going to grad school for? Is it for film or something else? Yes, it is. It's for uh, archival and uh, and preservation. So working with uh, the end goal is to hopefully end up in a studio somewhere working on film elements uh, and and stuff like that. That's pretty dope. Yeah, unless you know, unless the screening stuff kind of takes off, and I just mm-hmm. do this full time. But uh, but you know, that's my safety net is just you know step yeah. into a, step into a studio and uh, do film work for a studio. Okay, that's dope. Um, are you almost done, or are you still you just got started on grad school? This this is my last year of my first. My, this is wait, this is the last week of my my first year in grad okay. school. So I still have one more year of book work and then like a year of my thesis. Okay, okay, good luck. Uh, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I'm I'm very excited. I, I I'm on honor roll straight A's. I'm just kind of like cool. for me, I want to be able to show that you know us Mexicans can go to school. And we can get an education. And like, I'm the first in my entire family of 30 cousins, 10 aunts and uncles to ever graduate from college, let alone go to graduate school. So I'm hoping to pave that way for the rest of my family or just people in general to hopefully inspire being like this, you know, this dumbass can go to school. You can go to school too. (laughs) No, but it's inspiring that you're doing that simultaneously doing the, the see it on 60 millimeter. And it's, it's doing, at least from what my perspective, it's doing great. Like I've seen it grow. I, 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 there's a reason I'm still doing it. It's yeah. still, uh, it's a, it's, it's nice to preserve and it's nice to have extra income to buy more films and to do more things and stuff like that. And, uh, and pay my bills. 
And uh, one thing I forgot to ask too, like, because I know with like digital prints, I don't know if it's a little bit different, but sometimes you need permissions, like, you know, to screen certain films. Is that the same thing with the 16 millimeter or is it a little bit different? So it was, we, we ran into a different instance. Um, geez, we were just, even with the Night of the Living Dead, I needed to make sure to kind of clear clear rights before I started taking it on tour. Yeah. Um, and then there was contact with Janice Films. So Janice Films, they did the, you know, the 4K restoration and everything like that. And, you know, contacting them, we found out that they own the rights, the the theatrical rights to the digital version, the 35 mm -hmm. and all that, but they don't own the rights to the 16 millimeter version. It's public domain. Oh, wow. So that's why I was able to get away with actually advertising it, um, yes. being like, I'm playing Night of the Living Dead and not having to have to pay any um, royalties or anything at that point. Um, basically with, with what I do is, um, on CD on 16, like you've seen some of these tours, like the West Craven, you walked into it, not knowing what you were going to watch. Uh, by the way, yeah. what did you, what did you, what were you thinking you were going to watch? By the I, way? I actually guessed it. I was one of my guesses. Uh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So like, I, I, I like the mystery aspect of it because yeah. who are basic, I'm basically asking for all of you to trust me with my programming and my taste. And you are basically going to come and watch something I, I think is like, I know you haven't seen this. I know you haven't watched it. Maybe you saw it a long time ago, but I'm going to have you sit and watch it again. Yeah. And for that, I've been able to turn a lot of people on to movies that they necessarily would have never seeked yeah. out themselves. And um, yeah, and then that Serpent in the Rainbow was was one, I think, honestly, I think it's one of Wes Craven's best movies. I, I think it's, I it's think underrated. It's, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. There, there is a whole, it took me a few times watching it to actually understand that there is a political statement with everything happening in Haiti at that time with the yeah. revolution. In addition to like, you know, it's not, it's not someone showing up with a knife and some claws, you know, it's actual like deeper thinking of like what happens when we try to go into something we don't completely understand of another culture yeah. or anything. These are the repercussions of it. Um, and I, I, I think it's a masterpiece. I know a lot of people were kind of like, oh, it's kind of boring, but like, I don't yeah, know. I've always I loved that film, like Bill yeah. Pullman. Like, yeah, it's like, because even the voodoo things, like, I don't know, I feel like uh, I'm saying like the 70s, 80s, uh, like early 90s nostalgia, like of like the actual story and like mythology. Like, I, I love those type of films where oh, they yeah. actually go deep into the story of like, like voodoo, you know, like you learn a little bit more. It's not like oh, yeah. your typical, like, I don't know, like witchcraft type of stuff, you know? Like, so I was like, I always loved that film. Yeah, and it was like, it was, for that movie, it was like almost a take back on the 30s zombie of like the interpretation of what a zombie was. Yeah, and like white zombie, right? Or something? Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah. it's like mainly voodoo based, not what we're used to, um, you know, with, with Romero kind of changing the, the mm. overall of what we interpreted a zombie to zombie. be. So to see Wes Craven come out in like the late 80s and is like, you know, here's a, a totally different take of a zombie that you weren't asking for or yeah. thinking about <laughs> and, and and just being like, screw it, I'm doing it. Like, and this is what, 88, 89. So this is like four years after Nightmare on Elm Street. So like he's, yeah. he's riding the wave of the success of Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's like, there's like three movies during those time that he did. He did Shocker, People Under the Stairs and Serpent in the Rainbow that I think a lot of people forget and ignore um, because people tend to shadowed. Yeah. They they tend to jump from Nightmare on Elm Street to Scream. And yeah. it's like, there's all these movies he did in between in the late 80s, early 90s that were just awesome movies. People yeah. Under the Stairs, and Shocker's so much yes. fun. 
yeah i didn't even realize it was from 80 that's my birth uh birth year uh 89 i was like oh no wonder oh. I, picked it. I was like maybe i just guessed it randomly because <laughs> i was like i was like i was hoping it was the last house on the left because honestly like even though that was one of his first like i i'm not a huge fan of like torture uh yeah. revenge films as much i'm like that one's yeah. too graphic i was like i'm yeah. good so i was it like was, oh I, yes the serpent <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't want to turn that's the thing is like i'll have my nights like that like at the frida i'm now taking over what is uh their their last wednesdays of the month what was called uh what the fuck wednesdays and it's yeah. where they would show like weirder stuff like that and then yeah. um uh trevor asked me the programmer asked me to take over so i'm going to be programming gritty stuff like that so like yeah. there is there is a place that i can play that type of stuff that is yeah. like you know you're coming in for some 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 heavy yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah imagine if you would have done that like some people would have oh, I, I would have <laughs> upset so many people and like yeah that's what i was like, like i don't think it would be that one yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> like like david hess is my favorite i guess you would say uh exploitation or genre actor mm-hmm. the dude is a monster in um seen him in roles like last house on the left or house on the edge of the park he is just a mean vile villain in most yeah. of the movies <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't want to turn anybody off with Last House on the Left because then they won't come <laughs> to other shows. So <laughs> good, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for those who might be watching and you know might find an interest in like collecting or even learning how to project, like what advice would you give these people? Um, in all real, in all honesty, don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's 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 imagine. Imagine you have a hole in your pocket and you're trying to stuff money <laughs> into your pocket and it just keeps disappearing. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm joking. Obviously I want, I encourage people to uh, try to preserve film. If you're not, if you're not set up professionally to where you can store it in the right conditions or anything like that, reach out to people that are, or people that are professionally uh, trained with handling film or, or have a professional setup because yes, you're preserving, but at the same time, you're kind of not because if you're keeping it in conditions where it's going to deteriorate even more, instead of putting it into the right hands, um, it's actually a disservice, but like, you know, there's, there's, um, it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. All the prints I have to inspect like literally foot by foot on a rewind bench to make sure that the print is in playable condition. It is the correct, um, the correct cut I'm looking for and everything like that. So there is a lot of time invested in uh, making sure things just go correctly. And that's not even playing it for the audience yet. That's just all the work involved before it even gets to the audience. And then that too, you have to take risks with like shipping prints and stuff. Like I know people that have shipped, prize prints and they get lost in the mail guess what they never show up again you can't go to target you can't go to walmart to buy this stuff ever again so there's just a huge risk involved with dealing with film um but you know i i do encourage people if you want if you're interested in it or if you're or if you're interested in preserving to reach out to people that know how to do it um otherwise you could essentially be doing a disservice if you're attempting stuff and ruining films you know that it's like (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but if anyone has any questions or anything, like, like shoot me a message on you know, my Instagrams right here, uh, shoot me a message. Would I, I help out a lot of people with questions and stuff like that. And it's never a burden at all. Cool. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Absolutely. 
And um, I usually like to ask too, like, what's your favorite, like, top five favorite horror films? And it could be either American, Mexican, foreign. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, horror wise, wow. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go based off of uh, just personal choices. I know they're not great movies. These are yeah. just movies that I can rewatch over and over and over again. And I don't know why I obsess over them. Um, first one, uh, Neon Maniacs from 1980. I forgot what year. 86 maybe um i've seen that movie at least over a hundred times by now i'm obsessed with it uh i've bought dvd copies just to give out to people <laughs> i have to uh, check so that I, one out i haven't seen that yeah. one yeah <laughs> neon, neon maniacs is is a very weird horror movie that um there there's just watch it. i don't know how to explain it to people it's yeah. just one of the movies you watch and afterwards after it's done you just kind of look at the person next to you and you're just like what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> uh, and, and like, so Neon Maniacs, I'm a huge Frank Hainlauder fan. So like, obviously stuff like uh, Brain Damage is an amazing movie. It, it, uh, the colors in that movie are awesome. Basket Case, Frankenhooker, all those movies. I just, they are, I felt like Frank made those movies specifically for me to watch because he was like, I know what <laughs> this is. I know what you want to see. Um, and uh, horror movie wise, uh, I, I really, even though it's a very terrible movie, it's very vile. Um, I enjoy the movie House on the Edge of the Park with David Hess. I actually like it a lot more than Last House on the Left. Um, uh, Ruggiero Diodato, who did Cannibal Holocaust, actually did. Uh, he did that right after in the 80s. Uh, great movie. It's more of like a, a, a thriller horror, I guess, at that point of like. Uh, and then if, oh, man. It, it, let me throw in one recent one one recent horror movie that i was that kind of has stuck with me through the years and it was uh house of the devil by ty west oh yeah house of the devil by ty west when i saw it in 2009 when it came out what was going on at the time was hostile saw all these torture type of uh torture porn type of movies where mm -hmm. it's people suffering and stuff like that and then here comes this little indie movie that was made for, I believe, like under $900,000, shot on 16. And it tested me in ways that I haven't been tested in a long time during that era. And I was, you know, waiting for 40 minutes. For I know. Something. I was in here. Yeah, <laughs> when, when is it going to happen? <laughs> to happen. Like, but the thing is, though, when, those four, when that moment comes at those 40 minutes, well, I think we've all seen House of the Devil at that point. But, so when... Um, <laughs> When the son pulls out the gun and shoots uh, Greta in the face, um, that kind of I was I was starting to get bored with the movie. Yeah. But as soon as that happened, I was like, "Holy shit! This is what we've been building up to, and it's gonna keep getting worse from here." And you're just kind of like I call it a hangout horror movie because you're literally hanging out with Jocelyn the entire time. And she is basically charming you this entire time to like, hey, keep looking at the screen. I'm here skipping around this this house and investigating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people hate that movie because of I, I don't hate it, but it's like I was like, am I wasting my time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then and, I was like, what, I, like, I appreciate it after a little bit, but it's still not yeah. a favorite of mine. But <laughs> no, it, and it was. Uh, I still tell people, and this is a very unpopular opinion. I. I enjoy low budget 
uh, Ty West movies. I enjoy the Innkeepers. I enjoy. Oh, Innkeeper was good. Yeah. I can't believe it. it took me forever to watch it. I was like, "Well, that's a good yeah. movie." Yeah. And, and then, and then, too, think about everything. It's all historical for me when it comes to those movies. It's like think about everything that was happening at that time. We all the paranormal activity yeah. movie, everything like that. So everything was jump scares, or everything was was like a, a ghost of some sort. And then you had this movie come out that was like we're not going to do jump scares we're going to focus on the auditory experience of it and then most of that movie the most frightening thing is that that you know it can just be the image of what's her name just sitting there with the mic and that's what not you're not afraid of you're there listening to the audio to hopefully catch that thing that it you know kind of spooks you a little bit and just those two movies what ty did with those two movies were just against the grain at the time and I just I have an appreciation for those as recent uh, recent horror movies that I really enjoyed. And if, if we had to put it like a, I guess Get Out would be my favorite recent horror movie uh, that I would say. Yeah, Get Out was just amazing. Once you realize what the movie was about, it was like, holy shit, that's what this is about. Yeah. And like as Hispanic too, like even though I'm I'm obviously not I'm not black, I'm not African American, but as Hispanics, like we are also put in situations yeah, like that. You can still relate, yeah. Yeah, we could still relate. Like I, I to this day um still feel very uncomfortable in really rich, predominantly, you know, higher class areas like I stick out like a sore thumb. I'm yeah. six four with a mustache and I'm brown. Yeah. We still I, get I, we still get followed at the stores. So yes. like, <laughs> I, I still I still literally I literally am looked at differently because yeah. of, of my appearance. And the thing is like I, I, I that is a fear of mine. Like that is like something I don't enjoy that does make me uneasy is mm-hmm. is the watching eyes just based on my appearance and uh yeah. I, I used to live in uh Huntington Beach for almost 10 years and you know I I love Orange County but I was not did not feel very welcomed in the area it was it was predominantly um not Mexican at all and I remember going into even Target and just being stared at and recently I moved to Fullerton three years ago and I remember the first time I went into Target in Fullerton it was like a melting pot and it was the first time I ever felt I could walk around and not be stared at or not be like, oh, who's this big, you know, six four ogre <laughs> dude, Mexican dude walking around? Like, it was the first time I felt like super comfortable and I almost cried in Target because I never felt that in almost 10 years living oh, in that wow. area. So, like, that is an actual thing of mine that I was able to relate with with that movie. And yeah, Get Out is fucking frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a, I don't know if you've seen also, because um, thanks to like Jordan Peele, I feel like more of those movies came out after him. Like I, um, so there was one called Master. It came out on Prime. I don't know if you saw it okay. with. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, what's her name? I always confuse like the uh, the, the actress. Um, yeah, she's like in Scary Movie. I forget her name. Anna uh, Ferris? No, no, no. The no, black no. girl, the one that's always like, that's uh, like yeah. in the theater, like, shut the fuck up. She was in Peel's other movie, Honk for Jesus, that just came out. Yes, I forget her name. I, I just don't yes. her name. But um, she's in it. She's like the main character. And it's like, uh, pretty much about like the, like, she's like uh, a teacher there, like a professor at this like high class, like kind of like a Harvard type of school. And then yeah. um, this black girl like ends up getting, um, she, I think she commits suicide or supposedly they think she committed suicide but they show a scene with the where she has like a white roommate the black girl and she goes into the room and they're having like a party and she, and she kind of interrupts the party 
and like these they're just like staring at her and i was uh, like damn like i like i could just feel it like it through yeah. the screen because i was like damn i've been there where you just feel like you don't belong with these people yes yes <laughs> so when like, you were saying that i'm like you should watch that movie because that, that's oh, like man. the vibe like it was just it was a good film i feel like yeah. it, was, it was in uh it wasn't promoted as much but it was a good film oh yeah no there's like yeah no there's situations i've gone to like breakfasts in newport beach before and being the only hispanic guy and being the only guy that is literally like almost six four like it is the most uncomfortable feeling i have ever experienced in my life i feel so stuffed. like i feel stuffy thinking about it. i'm just like oh god i never want to be there again <laughs> uh but like uh but yeah no it's just like those experiences that people dream of too like of like oh man you were able to have breakfast in newport beach on the water and to me that it was the one of the worst experiences i've ever had in my life of feeling like an outcast mm, yeah and these, these are people's dreams to like eat at places like that and it's just like no like the, what we're sold and what we're told we should do is not necessarily the dream for everybody that's and true. uh and it's not you know that's not my dream and yeah. <laughs> my dream is something else yeah i feel like yeah like uh jordan peele like captured it pretty well and it was regina hall who was i was thinking there about. You go, regina. but uh yeah so I was like, those films, like you said, I think because they're so relatable to what yeah. we deal with in our daily lives, that is like, it, that's what's scary, I think, for me. Like, that's what Hereditary, like, for me, it wasn't even like the, like, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen it, but like, even with the head, like, beheading or all these different things, like, that didn't even scare me. Like, what scared me was the fact is, like, you never really finish knowing your own family. With, for, yeah. To me, that's what, because I'm like, he didn't, she didn't really even know her mom. Like, she didn't even know she had, like, a whole fucking cult. Like, oh. all this stuff. So I'm like, that was scary to me. Like, that's what lingered with me more. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think I think I felt that recently. I went to the West Coast premiere of, uh, and I'm sorry to talk shit if you're listening. <laughs> I went to the West Coast premiere of uh, of um, The Evil Dead Rise over mm -hmm. at the Arrow Theater. Um, they had the director out. They had the actresses and everything. Mm-hmm was just blood to me there was nothing <laughs> there was nothing that was that was even remotely relatable in any way i just felt it was so soulless and i didn't stay for the q a because i had no interest but it was yeah. just there, there's i know I, I know it fulfills a lot of people like i, I want to see horror i want to see sequels and stuff like that but yeah, like yeah. in all honesty i felt nothing the entire time yeah. and i didn't know if if uh, interpreting it is okay maybe i'm maturing or maybe maybe the things that I want out of cinema are different now than in my twenties when, you know, I would have been okay with seeing heads roll. And now yeah. like, I don't mind seeing heads roll, but it's just kind of like, there has to be a purpose of why this head is rolling. Not yeah. just kind of. It's like, I feel rolls. like we're desensitized. And then also, like yeah. you said, I feel like I agree. Cause I was, t I was telling this to someone else where like, I feel like horror movies now make me want to cry. Like, I feel I was like, they're like, yeah. I feel like a deeper emotional to like the characters. Cause I was like, yeah. is, this, is it because I'm getting older now or what's the deal? But... I, I think it, I, I'm feeling it too. I'm, I'm 34 right now. I'm going to be 35. I was born in 88. Okay. Uh, I'm a year younger, but yeah, we're I, the same. I, I'm becoming more of a softy as the years go on. And yeah. as my, I have more life experience of understanding how life, how you go through life. I mm -hmm. think our perception, perception of horror is also very different like be besides racial stuff like making me feel uncomfortable like um david cronenberg now as an adult aging going to the doctor and having medical stuff done to you nothing is more frightening than the thought of my body giving out from under me or changing into something else that it wasn't originally yeah. and, and i feel that now as i age like as soon as i hit 30 like stuff hurts 
um, certain stuff you have to address that you never had to address in your 20s. Uh, and the, the thought of like, this isn't it also. You're also going to keep declining from here and it's yeah. only going to get worse. That's fucking <laughs> frightening to me. <laughs> like, I, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid of aging. Like, it's not that I'm like, oh, I want to be young forever. I'm just literally afraid of being like, oh, my legs stopped working today. I'm never going to use them again in my life. Or or my or a certain organ or something is just not working anymore is just the most frightening thought <laughs> no it is true i agree with that because right now like as i mean you're the same age as me almost like we're like a year apart but like uh you realize like your parents are getting older right so like right now my dad got had surgery um and like watching him like not be able to do like certain things that you just going to the bathroom or whatever right now because of the surgery i'm like damn like you don't realize like i don't want to get fucking old i was like it's scary <laughs> it's scary because i'm like i'm just like a few years i mean like not a few years but you know like like a couple yeah. decades away from, and, from and, getting and, there you know and literally in a blink of an eye we will be in our 40s yeah and then and then in even a faster blink of an eye we'll be in our 50s, 50s yeah and, and time Time seems to be our enemy right now because we are fighting against time and it is getting faster as the years go by. I remember spending summers as a kid where, you know, we would be so bored and when like, when is this day going to end? And now it's as an adult, I'm like, man, I wish I had a few more hours every day to just be able to do something, do more. Yeah, like, yeah like, that's the real horror movie. Right here. Yeah, <laughs> it's not having enough time and literally. Yes is it time is just the is against all of us and we are just doing what we can with the time we are given and that's why i think i live my life as a maximalist at this point is kind of uh getting you know just wringing the uh the towel dry of everything you can before i can't do it anymore yeah. you know yeah and it kind of brings me to my my last question before we get out of here um uh what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? I know you kind of probably touched on it a little bit throughout the interview, but uh, either creatively or personally. Uh, personally, I would uh, personally in my personal life, mm -hmm. I would like to be remembered for being a good husband uh, and then being there for my wife and my family. Um, I don't have kids or anything yet. So I, I right now I would like to be, you know, when it's my time to go, I would like to be remembered for, um he was nice to everybody he met he he loved everybody he met um treated everybody equally um that's my approach to to life these days yeah. and then when it comes to film i would like to leave a legacy of uh people remembering the stuff uh, the movies and stuff i shared with them or or even my work in the film stuff and the projector stuff like it'd be nice to get to a point where before i'm old that there's other people taking interest in this stuff and being able to pass that knowledge of how to work on that stuff. So other generations can, you know, appreciate film and actually yeah. see film on the big screen um, to be able to leave a legacy like that would mean everything to me on my, on my, uh, you know, when it's time for me to go, I'd be super yeah. content knowing that people remembered me for that. You know, I, I, I have no interest in making movies. I have no interest in being behind the camera. I have just interest of uh, showcasing a lot of stuff for people. And I think I've always been like that. I was, I, I'm very creative, but I'm not the creative type to do it myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I consider myself more of a producer when I come to stuff, as you can see with trash bags and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, 
that is the legacy I want left is that I was a, I was a good person to everybody, uh, treated everybody fairly. And my impact on film is remembered of, he was one of the guys that, you know, brought film to Orange County, brought film to San Diego, kept stuff alive when no one else was doing it. And this is what I've been dedicating my life to so far. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's cool. And like, keep doing it. Like I said, you're doing your thing over there, like in OC, like I said, San Diego, you're going on tour too to other states, right? Yeah, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, start start branching out to other states, Nevada, uh, Arizona, places like that. So that's, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, keep doing it. Like, it's inspiring to see you and, um, you know, shout out to Armando as well, uh, awesome. doing your guys' thing. And thank you for being on today. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. And then for those, you know, listening in, uh, like I said, I have his Instagram right here. I'll put uh, a link in the description as well. Uh, if you haven't already, Go ahead and follow us both. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Comment, like, all that stuff. It helps us out. Uh, and thank you, guys. It was good to see you guys. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Yeah. <laughs>